0: Alright, welcome to
1: Bonehead. I'm Joe Lewis. And nobody else wants to introduce... Hey, you know, wait, hold on. James, do you want to introduce yourself? James Thomas? No, no I'm, dead. <laughs> I'm good. I'm <laughs> good. Killed Spot, they did. Yeah. That's why I just went ahead and... I wanted to get it yeah. over, pull it off like a hangnail. But they killed Spot. I'm gonna put Yoda down now, but... Welcome to Bonehead. If Yoda did That's where later.
0: the credits come in, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Boom 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 I'm so Daniel Hahn did that instead of us. Thank you, Daniel Hahn. Alright, well the credits are over. Anyway, today's subject are movies that were never made. Now, there are movies that were made that were not released. The most famous one, there's probably a couple. One of them is The Fantastic Four film, correct? Yes. Directed by? Oli Sasson. And what do we have for these people after this episode, next week's episode? will be an interview with Oli Sasson. Bob Parker, I was going to say we resurrect,
1: we resurrect Paul Lynn to talk about Hollywood Squares. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Paul Lynn. That was the world's worst oh, well, Paul if, ever.
2: You that's all can a, keep your Paul Lynn. If it's not Charles Nelson Riley, nobody cares.
0: That's true. But CNR, there's, baby there's a few films that have been made that have never been released probably that's number two i w- actually would say to me the jerry lewis when the when clown what's it called the clowns that, the, when the day the clown cried it's probably the most famous which exists and is now actually registered with the, and, the but, congress but and, yeah no here's the deal with that right so jerry lewis the famous comedian he just died last year made a movie, if you've never heard of this, and this is a true story, look it up, called The Day the Clown Cried. And the basic plot of this is he's a clown, and they are in a concentration camp during World War II. And they use him to cheer the kids up. And to lure them into the death chamber. Mm -hmm. Now, if this sounds a little familiar, like Life is Beautiful somewhat in the same way, yeah, there is. But, so, the story goes that Jerry Lewis thought the movie was so bad that he no, won't let it release. There's a couple of people that say they've seen it. Haley has fallen down on the ground behind the cameras. Are you good, Haley? Yeah. She could be
2: trying to lure us to our death. This could be the day that Haley cried. Did I lose at, you one what? about
0: Ooh. the clown at the concentration camp? Is that where you tuned out or what? Okay. Anyway. You need a pillow? <laughs> so that one's probably the most famous because very few people have ever and, seen it. And there was a, this is a true story. They Somebody got a copy of the
2: script... Uh-huh. and did a live stage show version of it, and they did it for a couple days, and then Jerry Lewis found out about it, and attorney showed up. Yes, absolutely. And so it never got He finished.
0: finally turned it over to the Library of Congress in 2015, and it is not allowed to be shown to 2024, which would have ensured that he'd be dead, because he was yeah. already almost nine, well, was 90 years old. Yeah. So that's probably the most famous. Number two to me, though, is the Fantastic Four film. That was shot for Corman, and like I said, we're not going to spend a lot of time on that because we have, by the way, we, Bonehead has the freaking director on our next episode. I yeah, just want to say, yeah. there you go. Thank <laughs> you so much, Mick Strawn. It's a it's a, simulca- a simulcast with our friends at Dream Warrior Review.
1: Dream Warrior. You cannot say it and you forget the name every Dream time. Every time. time. But it was funny, as I really liked it. And I'm it. going to be offended because you keep looking at James to to chime in on that, and I know the name. I feel yeah. like I'm being left out. He he knows the name of Nightscape
2: Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> Electric now from now on, Jeff's gonna have Nightscape Boogaloo in his head. Oh, I, I know. And and, and
0: Nick's partner Kurt Thomas is on the episode as well. I want to give a shout out to Kurt because their their studio looks so much more what's the word? Studio like professional. Professional. Well, we've got all this. Maybe one day we might turn the camera so people can see the rest of the of the layer. <laughs> I doubt it. I doubt it. I doubt it. I think that can of WD-40 over there is what really pulled through them together, though. People well, yeah, that. that and the bodies. So. Well, that one's still alive. Yeah. <laughs> almost dead, though. So that's a couple of the really famous ones. But there's a ton of movies that have never been made that were almost made well, that I was were in say, development. Real quick,
2: before we leave, the ones that have been made that have never been released, I have to mention one, uh, God's Behaving Badly, which was based on a book that was a pretty well-reviewed book. And it's about the gods of Olympus are real, but they've started to lose power. They still have their powers, but they settle in New York. Christopher Walken played Zeus. And this is within the past couple of years. It has a huge, famous cast. Along the lines of if you watched our show for a while, I talked about the history, uh, the story of mankind. This was the same type of cast. It has A-la celebrities. The movie screened at one film festival. And everybody literally went, "What in the crap?" And it never was released. They pulled it from the film festival. It's never been. But decent. it was shot. It was, that's why I said it before was shot. We leave, and
0: there's and a before n- we leave, the ones that were shot. I wanted to mention that one because that's and there's that's, another one too that's actually there's called Dark Blood. It's actually River Phoenix, Phoenix's yes. last movie. And they did and a it, Kickstarter to try to finish it. Right, 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 and it's and it has been shown in a couple of film festivals as recently as a few years ago, but it's never been released either. Is it because it's so terrible? I, they He died, I think, a couple of weeks before. I, I think most of it's been shot. It was done for all intents and purposes, but it's never really been. And I don't think it's really a terrible thing because it's also got Jonathan Price in it. Huh. And, uh, yeah, look it up. It exists, but they've never finished it. There's several reasons, and I think most of them have to do with attorneys and who owns the rights now after all this time?
2: Well, I was saying that, so, jumping back to guys behaving badly, I just wanted to mention the cast on this because it's Alicia Silverstone, Sharon Stone, Christopher Walken, uh, Robin Weigert, Edie Falco, John Turturro, Oliver Platt, Nelson Alice, Rosie Perez, Felicia Rashad, and Asif Monvi. Okay. I don't know who the last few people are, but yeah, you should you... Felicia sure Rashad was in a little show. No, that the Felicia,
0: the other one after the Felicia. I see, he's a comedian. How do um, not know things? but. Do you know who the last one was? I didn't hear it, to be honest with you. All I heard was... <laughs> I'm sorry. Christopher Walken.
2: Christopher walking. I said first. That could not have been the one you heard last. I think that doesn't really
0: I that. time travel. All right. So, we ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. So, these They're, are ones that have, have we're, were
2: supposed to be made. That never really got that, made. That or they were, were written and they progressed and the studio was on or board. Or they actually,
0: in the case of Zemeckis' Yellow Submarine, there was actually shooting yeah, and, uh, and, pl- and plugs were pulled, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, James and I were talking about this really quick, I suppose. If you're a big Fango fan, Fangoria used to have the horror teletype at the front of it. And you look through it, all the projects are coming out and and it's great to go back through some of the older ones, all the way from the early '80s to '90s, of all the different filmmakers that were attached to so many different things, or things that were almost done that never actually made it. I was going to say the same thing with Wizard: the guide to comics. Mm-hmm. As a comic book
2: nerd, uh, James Cameron Spider Man got right up after right up after right up, and Wizard: the guide to comics. Toby was, Hooper was uh, going to and... do a
0: Spider Man for
2: canon at yeah. one time. There's actually oof. a poster you can go out and buy. Yeah, so many of those though. So there were all these magazines. Uh, magazines for you young kids were like online web pages that were printed. Um, but yeah, tactile, tactile content. Um, but uh, those those things, by the way, are disappearing. <coughs> but you <it coughs> used little... to be able to read about all these projects. Now you read about it on Ain't It Cool and all that. Mm-hmm. But,
0: but that used to be how you found out. Mm-hmm. Who wants to go first with theirs? You go first. Why? Because mine's really long and detailed. All right. I want to talk about Dune because there is a Yodorowski was a filmmaker who's insane, but he made a movie called uh, El Topo. Am I saying El Topo correctly? And it was basically like an indie film that played at midnight screenings, similar to Rocky Horror. It was really famous in the 70s, and he made a follow-up to that, and that was really famous, so... He got the rights to Dune, which would later be made by David Lynch, and then later Based be made by the science fiction the Frank Herbert and Hugo Award winning Frank in. Herbert's Dune, the Frank book, Dune. right? So he got the rights, hired all these artists. If you get the chance to look at it, there's a Yotaraski's Dunes. It's a say, documentary about how, I and understand. not just artists. Like, Salvador Dali mm-hmm. was involved. A um, lot of people who went on to do Alien, okay? Yes. So. We can get into a little few more details about that. I I, I don't want to, but it's a fascinating because it was going to be a huge epic in the seventies. It was going to be three and four hours long, millions and millions of dollars, and it just kind of fall through. And there's a great dirt documentary, like I said, called Yodorowsky's Dune. If you get the chance, I have a copy of it. Check it out. It's interesting. It's fascinating. It was much more towards the book of a literal translation of the book, whereas. I'm not knocking Lynch's Dune. I actually rewatched it and kind of liked it better than I did as a kid. But a lot of stuff is explained did in you watch the voiceover. extended version. No, because that's not his version. I
2: know. I, I, I've just always fascinated by it. I I, I want to watch both of them again. Isn't yeah.
1: Dune one of those those books though that it's hard? It would probably be hard to make a, a a movie that's tells a good story without being confusing. I don't know how you
0: make Dune into a movie. Yeah, I, know, I, I know. I know. I know. <clears throat> Villeneuve. Who, was, who just made Blade Runner, yeah. did Arrival. Uh, he, I, to me, he can do no wrong. Uh well, Give Prisoners. It Give Prisoners. It wonderful films if you get a chance to check them out. Sicario. He's a fantastic filmmaker. He wants to do it. I, I, I'm i curious to see how he does it. I don't know. Because I feel the same way about The Dark Tower.
1: Before that, Peter Berg was going to do a cut version. No, they of made the a version of The Dark Tower. Watch this. <laughs>
0: they did not make a version of The Dark Tower, did they, Haley? <laughs> no no, they made a movie and called it The Dark Tower.
2: Totally unrelated.
0: But it's unrelated to any book that Stephen King ever written, <laughs> has ever written, in my, yeah. to my knowledge.
1: But yeah, Peter Berg was going to do a version oh, of it. Can you imagine version? how
0: shitty that would be? Oh, God. Peter Berg's made one good movie. Rundown? Friday Night Lights. I like Rundown. Oh, Rundown. Okay, he's yeah. made two good movies. Yeah, Rundown. What is better? Well, okay, hold on. What's the one with, uh, with Mark Wahlberg, the army one? they're behind the lines, oh, or...
1: I've actually never seen it. That, that one's was not bad. Okay, that one's not bad.
0: all right. I'm sorry, Peter Berg. You just made that and then one. Then you do the movie. one about
1: the oil. The this oil, is why Berg... One that one's okay. Ring. That one's okay. But we're talking about battleships. Star Six. We're talking about battleships. <laughs> it's Deepwater Horizon. Sorry. <laughs> and we're talking about battleships, Peter Berg. Battleship is a terrible. And room. Hancock, Petersburg. All right, Hancock's not terrible. It's not bad. All right, Peter Berg, I'm sorry. I actually like Peter Berg. I was just letting Joe go with it. No, no, anyway. this is why Peterburg won't do our show
0: now. Peter Berg is going to do, do our show off. ever again. Yeah. Peter Berg, uh, you can do my spinoff called <laughs> Breaking Bonehead. No, break it's, it's, it's... it's it's James loves Peters. <laughs> After that, it's Peter Goover. After
1: that, it's Peter Coyote. Peter Aykroyd. Peter Ham. Sorry. That's probably not his name. I am probably screwed that up. Let's move on.
0: I just want to hashtag James. Yeah. <laughs> so, Dune. I'm, talk bliss. about Dune. I don't have a whole lot else to go about it. Go ahead.
2: All right. So, I think... J- are, are, are we doing this now? Let's do it. All right. So, um, okay, you, do, do you want to do the introduction? What are you doing? We're going to tag team this one because I'm doing the book side of it. This actually is considered a cursed project by many people, the Confederacy of Dunces. You are you never, sure it's not
1: called Bonehead?
2: If you, no, we've got something on film and it's out there. All it. I can tell you, if, Maybe you're listen, if
1: you're listening to us now, sit down. This is an interesting story. It will take some time.
2: But But Chad's gonna cover cover the movie (laughs) side of it. But what I did I didn't know as much about the movie side. I know about the book side of it, because it's also considered a quote unquote cursed book, which leads into the movie issues. So Confederate Judges is it won a Pulitzer. It's considered a great, great novel. It won a Pulitzer in nineteen eighty. The problem with that is the guy that wrote it killed himself in nineteen sixty nine. The story behind that was John Kennedy Toole was the author and he um there's just so many easy jokes with that he 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 was catholic um he slid into depression after kennedy was assassinated do you think it was him no uh he had wrote one other book called the neon bible that he started in high school he was uh heavily influenced by uh flannery um and he wrote that he actually got a job teaching creative writing he was in the military. He got drafted in the military and was stationed in Puerto Rico and started writing *Confederacy of Dunces* during that time. Came back, worked as a uh, teacher at a all Catholic girls' school. Yeah. Finished the book. Now, he sent this book, or it landed at the desk of Robert Gottlieb. And if you're not familiar, Robert Gottlieb was an editor for a major publishing company who had
0: discovered. Yes, Joe. I really have a legitimate question. Yeah. Any relation to Carl Gottlieb? I actually do not know the answer. Carl Gottlieb was a writer. He was a he actually was a comedy writer, but he ended up writing Jaws. So, legitimate question.
2: And there may be because Robert Gottlieb was known for finding excellent comedy. I wonder if Um, I bet there is because he discovered Joseph Heller, and he's the one that actually got Joseph Heller to finish Catch Twenty Two. Um. So anyway, uh, Tool really wanted to work with him because he admired Joseph Heller. They went back and forth for two years on the book "Confederacy of Dunces," and Gottlieb's words basically were: "This is great, this is awesome, this is perfect, this is hilarious," but it has no point. And he was he was floored by it. So what? "Confederacy of Dunces." We're not
0: talking about (laughs) boneheads.
2: "Confederacy of Dunces" uh, comes from a Johnson Swift. The title comes from a Johnson Swift quote, where Swift said. Uh, you can always tell the presence of genius because it will be being torn apart by uh, dunces in their confederacy or something. Anyway, the point to the book is um, the the protagonist is a genius, but he's very, very lazy. And it's about how he just deals with the world. That's It doesn't have a linear arc. It doesn't have a story. It is just his observations of the world. So it doesn't have a, a solid start or a solid end. Um, Gottlieb said, we can't publish it. It got sent to a couple more places. <laughs> Gottlieb came back and actually said, listen, if you'll change it, if you'll give him a solid story arc, we'll publish it. We think you're one of the funniest people on the planet. By the way, at this time, Tool was only 30. And he said, no, no. And his exact quote, um, and I wanted to get his quote right, um, was Gottlieb finally said, it doesn't have a reason. The book has no reason to exist. And uh, his quote back was something like, I can't... Uh, I I can't change these characters. These characters are the way that they are, and they are real people, and they are my soul. After it got turned down again, it got turned down a couple more times. He committed suicide. His mother fell into a deep depression, and one day she was in his room, and she found a smudged copy. He had sent off every copy that he had. There was one copy that had a smudge on it. The the text when it was cop when it was mimeographed had smudged. Okay. Mm-hmm. It so he knew it couldn't be sent off. His mother found it after he committed so two years after he committed suicide. And she goes, I know my son's brilliant. He got these letters from editors saying he was funny. We're gonna get this book published. She started sending it out. Um and it failed. Failed horribly for a couple more years. Sent it to over seven publishers, all of them expressed interest but said it has to be changed. And her exact quote was, Every time she got it back, she died a little bit more inside. So she was already battling depression. 1976. So I'm gl- glad I didn't start drinking before this episode. <laughs> he totally did. 1976, Walker Percy, who was an author that most people at the time would have known, when nobody knows him now. If you know Walker Percy, or if you are Walker Percy, prove me wrong. Um, Come on, Bonehead. Yeah. But he was faculty at Loyola at the time, and Thelma Toole, who was the mother, became convinced he'll get it published. He's an author already, and, and they were all from Louisiana. He'll help. He'll help make me get my son's out. She blew up his office so much with phone calls and letters, this was pre-email, in the late 70s saying, you've got to read my son's work, you've got to read my son's work, to which he would respond, have your son come in, have him take one of my classes, he's dead, he can't do it. And finally, he complained to his wife saying, there is a crazy woman that's stalking me at work. To which she responded by showing up and actually breaking into his office, pushed by his secretary, pushed by everybody in the department, actually went into the office and said, here's my son's work. The only way she would leave is if he promised to read it. And he said, "It's a quote from him, I read it with the hopes that it would absolutely suck. That I could read ten pages and it would be such terrible writing that I could go, there's a reason nobody will publish this. He read it and loved it. Even with his backing, it took three more years before it could get published. When it I finally got like published...
0: the that long.
2: When it finally got published, it only would print 2,500 copies. Most of which actually weren't printed correctly. It went on to win the Pulitzer Prize, though, because it was famous. became a cult novel, and within one year, everybody started wanting to make it into a movie. And that's when that curse kicked in. Let's see if
0: you could do this only... Make it entertaining.
2: <laughs> I'm so, sorry. It's a book, Joe. It has pages. You should try reading them instead of burning them.
1: So this movie has officially been in development hell for 33 years.
2: Here, just, here. just like I've been in hell for 38. 38. So let's start with the first attempt.
1: And you'll notice a trend. with um, When I go over the, the facts of this, I'll be listing the actors who were cast or were being considered for the main role. Yeah. You'll notice a trend. Um, first attempt... Harold Ramis was gonna make it. Mm-hmm. It was gonna co-star Richard Pryor and Ruth Gordon. Who did they want to the star in the movie? John Belushi.
2: I was gonna say, and Ignatius, the main character, is supposed to be a heavy set,
1: slothful, brilliant mind. Yes. Two days before Much like me. two days before he was supposed I was to thinking dis- me but keep going. <laughs> two days before he was supposed to discuss taking on this role. Yes. He passed away from a drug overdose, as most people know. Five months after his death, because they were still moving forward with this movie. This is what ultimately killed the first attempt. Uh, The movie takes place in New Orleans, in Louisiana. So they were going to shoot in Louisiana. It's very important to the book. Yes. With the movie still in development, the head of the Louisiana Film Commission was killed in a murder-suicide. And it was her death that eventually put the movie on hold. Um, from that point, the movie rights went to an oil baron named John Langdon. After In the second attempt, two people were considered. John Candy and Jonathan Winters. Now, a side note to my research, I knew about this before. Um, this was the mo- one movie I actually wanted to talk about because I knew it had an interesting story. I thought John Candy was cast and he died. Shortly after now,
0: this would have been way
1: before he this died. was in the early '80s. Yeah. So everybody knows John Candy eventually passed away. Um. So you can't contribute that to the curse because it was decade. It was over a decade after he died. Yeah. Um, it's a slow-moving curse. Yes. Um. But uh, they were eventually decided against because Candy uh, was being too over the top. He, they didn't think, they didn't think he could mm-hmm. grasp the role of this character. Um. And Jonathan Winters was rejected for being too old i would imagine yeah because he was the character supposed to be 26 i believe and he was it's, he was he was well into there, his 50s. there are some It'd people that argue
2: the that the character that ignatius is a parody that was literally tool parodying himself how brilliant he was but how much he struggled dealing with the world around him
1: the next character the next actor who was going to be considered was josh mustel son of zero, zero Mostel. Yeah. you you may you know him a lot from uh if you've seen billy madison He's the principal okay. in that movie. Zero
0: Mostel is a famous stage actor. He's the he is the producer in the producer the original, the original producer Mel Brooks producer John um, Wilder.
1: The the quote about this was they literally uh, tried every single fat man in Hollywood and he was the best one for the role. A but, funny thing happened on the way to the forum. I'm sorry. I keep going. It, This is Josh. This that Zero. We're talking about Josh. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the movie went on. The movie went into hibernation for a few years. Cut to the late 80s. John Waters was actually going to take over the possibility of directing and his uh, main cast uh, main star was going to be Divine if everybody knows who Divine is look her up look him up he's fantastic now if you love John Waters and don't know who Divine is check your you really don't know who John Waters is this is the second time it actually got the closest to being made and what happened Divine passed away yeah and this is a quote from John Waters it'll never happen How can a movie ever live up to that book? So many people have tried to do it. When I tried to do it, it was divine, was alive. We wanted him to play the main part. Some of the top directors in the world have tried to make that movie, and I don't know if it'll ever happen. Maybe it shouldn't. Right. Talk of the movie eventually picked up in the 2000s. The first person being considered was John Goodman. There's not a lot of information about what happened with his turn on to it, They then went to another famous actor, Chris Farley. Does anybody want to guess what happened to Chris Farley? He was on Saturday Night Live and lived (laughs) happily ever after. No, just
2: like
0: everybody on Saturday Night Live. He didn't have a problem with drugs and alcohol. He died.
1: He died from a a heart attack of something. He died from a drug. From
0: drug-induced complications.
1: Uh, Um, And upon his death, the movie went into a stall again until 2004. Now this is the absolute closest this movie has ever come to being made. In 2004? 2004. Okay. At the height of his career, Will Ferrell was going to play the character, which in my opinion, might not... It wouldn't have worked. It's Mm -hmm. not good... I mean... It's not good casting. Have you read the book? I have not, but
2: I know the character. The character is supposed to be very slothful and very heavy set. Yeah. And And it is tied... And it also... New Orleans itself is almost a character. Like, the dialect and uh-huh. all of that stuff. Yeah,
1: very sloth-like is not Will Ferrell's uh-huh. motif. Right. Um, here's the cast. Because they had this movie. It was going. Lily Tomlin. Most deaf. Drew Barrymore and Olympia Dukakis. Um, the script was written by Scott Kramer and Steve Soderbergh. And it was going to be directed by David Gordon Green of Pineapple Express fame. Um... The movie eventually stalled. And here's David Gordon's Green's quote about what happened. To the disappointment of many of us, Dunces was put on hold last year. They assembled a great cast, and I adopted New Orleans as my home. And if you know anything about how movies are made, this is where everything went to crap. But politics over property rights. It torn between Miramax, Paramount, and various camps of producers. Oh, yeah. Put a weight on the project that wasn't creatively healthy to work within.
0: You know what a weight on the project means is that everybody had to get paid out. Everybody
1: had to get paid out. Right. And here's Steven Soderbergh's... Per, uh, um, the filmmaker Steven Soderbergh helped yes. write the screenplay. Okay. Yes. Ocean's Steve oh. Soderbergh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Limey. Yeah. I love that movie. I do too. I don't know what's happening with it. I think it's cursed. I'm not prone to superstition, but that project has got bad mojo on it. So, cut to later on. Jack Black was attached at some point, but nothing never really went with that. There's no. There, there I could not find any details. Um, the second, the final attempt came in 2012. Zach Galifianakis was attached with a script from Phil Johnston, Cedar Rapids. Watch it; it's hilarious. Cedar Rapids? Yes. Yes, it is. and It's not bad. And it was going to be directed by James Bobbin of the Muppets and Fly of the Concords. Yeah, and I'm not going to mention the uh, Alice in Wonderland sequel. Alice through the Looking Glass. Yeah, woof. Um, but he, uh, the, the the production was delayed again because he went on to direct the sequel to the Muppets, called The Muppets. Most Wanted. Yes, but at the time it was called The Muppets. Again. Again. <laughs> anyway.
0: Which is a better
1: time. Um. Yeah. To, f- to wrap up this long discussion of the Confederacy of Dunces, the best quote I could find was from Harold Ramis in 2009. My final analysis of it is that the Confeder- Confederacy violated one of the basic bylaws of movie comedy. With the producer Mike Schamberg articulated, he said, Comedy works two ways. Either you have a normal person in an extraordinary situation, or an extraordinary person in a normal situation. And Confederacy was about an extraordinary person in a series of extraordinary situations.
0: Yeah, so how do you get that? How do you convey something? It's a- and it doesn't have a plot. I mean it is it was like I said
2: it's Seinfeld before Seinfeld. It is a book about nothing except everything's extraordinary. And it doesn't even saying that out loud, well what does that mean? That's what the book's about. So you've read the book. Yes. Okay. It is. Uh. It it is. A, it's a great book. Just. But a, it's a great book. It, in its own way, it is not like Dune, but in its own way, it is like Dune. How do you take something that is so
1: and make it? Yeah. So when we when we decided to talk about this topic, I thought I could mention a million movies that I know were in development that never got to made. But as for a movie that's been in development that had an interesting story. I don't think anything beats the Confederacy dunces. No, it's really good. I can't really top that. And that's the end of the episode. <laughs> no, no, ah, I, just we, we can't leave <laughs> there. I've got,
2: I've got things.
0: that are more horrible. More. But uh, you go ahead. I've got one more. I, I, I mean, I have a list of things here. I, really quick, I want to go over two or three. I would uh, Romero's mummy. Romero did when when I. It sounds like I'm name dropping. So watch your toes. When well, I moderated Romero's panel a few years ago, he wanted to talk about the things that got away. which That was, was, really cool. that was before he was dead. Before he was dead, yeah. Because yeah. he's not that big of a zombie fan. So, he wanted to talk about the things that got away. I already knew about most of them, but a the couple of them that did get away that I would have liked to have seen is his version of The Mummy. I would have also really loved to have seen his version of Resident Evil. Yeah. I would have also liked to have seen John Carpenter, if you all know was uh, made one of my favorite films of all time called The Thing. But when The Thing came out, it came out two weeks before a movie called E.T. in the summer of 82, which if you know anything about film, 82 is considered one of those years that is just ingrained. Yeah. What, What do you call that? Watershed? Yeah. One of those watershed years of filmmaking. And I could sit here and just ramble off everything from Star Trek to The Wrath of Khan, to the original Blade Runner, yada, yada, yada. But, but The Thing came out that summer and his next movie was going to be a little Stephen King book called Firestarter. Well, Firestarter was made a few years later, but it wasn't made by John Carpenter. We're not
1: bringing up Stephen King again, buddy. I know, but I'm just saying. <laughs>
0: you're cut I'm off. just saying. I would have loved to have seen his version. Yeah. The Thing came out and went, and he got fired. Yeah. From making his Firestarter. So there's a lot of different movies I'd like to have seen about that, but one of the movies that I would have loved to have seen is would have been made by Steven Spielberg and it's called Watch the Skies or Night Skies Mm -hmm. so E.T. came out and was very successful this story had been around before E.T. and they wanted to do a sequel and he didn't want to do a sequel and yada 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 and there's a script that had been back and forth and he'd been working on called either Watch the Skies, Night Skies depending on what part of development you're going from from Close Encounters on At one time, he wanted Toby Hooper to direct it. Uh, Toby Hooper would go on to direct Poltergeist, and that's a whole other podcast episode. Toby's not here to defend himself anymore, so we're not going to really get into that, about who directed Poltergeist. However, Night Skies is the dark version of E.T. It takes place in a farmhouse similar in Kentucky, and basically they have to fight off evil aliens. And here's the thing about Night Skies, or Watch the Skies... Go look it up. It's a fascinating story of movies that never got made that would have been so interesting or so cool to see. However, I would love to have seen Spielberg go dark once. Yeah. Watch. He's any seven and by the way, I'm not throwing shade at Spielberg whatsoever. He's probably gonna be known after all is said and done. him, him Hitchcock, probably as some of the greatest filmmakers of all time, right? You can't he'll, argue that about he'll Spielberg. He'll go down in the top five, probably. Yeah. After all said
1: no. and by the, and way, by the you, way, you could argue that AI and Minority Report are a bit dark.
0: They are a bit dark. No, here's the th- no. You know why? Because AI originally was going to be directed by Stanley Kubrick. Kubrick, yes. Kubrick is the one who wanted to do an AI film for a whole time. He and Spielberg were friends, so we're getting. Into, I'm dropping I'm I'm drop. I'm jumping. Right. We're friends. He dies, and Kubrick and Spielberg finally goes. All right, I'm going to make an AI. In fact, his next movie is supposed to be Minority Report. Do you guys know this? No he postponed Minority Report for a year so he could go ahead and make AI. Wow. AI, I from everything I can find, Kubrick's original version ends where? If you've ever seen Artificial Intelligence. By the way, I like the movie. A lot of people crap on it. I like I think, it too. I think 10 years, 12 years later. It's better it's, than Bicentennial, man. Yes, it's gotten a better rap, right? Oh. Chris Columbus. <laughs> oh, Chris Columbus. Anyway, so AI's a good movie. However, Kubrick's version ended with that little boy... Praying to the Blue Fairy, trapped in that water for eons. Wow. Now, that's a dark movie.
1: Yeah.
0: Spielberg's version does not end there.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? Now, how many people would have got pissed off and walked out of that theater and demanded their money back? I have no idea. But how much more would you have been talking about that ten years later? He to say, left that little boy in that water to, how praying many? to the Blue Fairy. Yeah. Now, I, I'm not going to explain the whole plot to AI. Go I, out and watch I, AI. I'll flip the s- t-
2: script on that, though. If, if I knew it was a Kubrick film... I would have got what I paid for.
0: If it was a Spielberg film and it ended If that you way. were if you're um, if you're a film if you're a film buff like us, if you're yeah, an yeah, actual cinephile like us, yes, yeah. you knew you are getting paid for. But uh, it has a happier ending. An artificial intelligence race comes back later. By the way, I didn't realize that those were al- those aliens at the end are actually AI themselves. Did you know that? No. They are.
1: So look it up.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah, I don't think it explains it very well, but No, anyway. it doesn't and he gets to live the whole perfect day before he dies which is a very sweet ending i'm not knocking spielberg once again i actually like ai i liked it when i saw it in the theater yeah, when everybody else crapped on it yeah i thought it was an interesting movie and it's beautiful visually it's one of his best films mm-hmm. but anyway wouldn't you have liked to have seen spielberg do it i mean the man is now in his 70s he's got the post coming out i'm like i said i'm excited for ready player one Anything? I mean, I, you can argue about Indiana Shawshank. Indiana Jones Part 6. You can mm. argue Shawshank. Uh, Shawshank. You can ar- argue Schindler's List. You could argue all the World War II uh, films By the way, I can't dark. believe when we
1: said that he didn't do a dark movie, we didn't mention
0: Schindler's List. I Well, I'm, it's not in the sense of what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking that about. That is historically accurate. And mm. then at the end, it still has hope. Yeah. Right?
1: It, you're right. Even
0: Saving Private Ryan ends with he lived... And he's surrounded by his family. Yeah. And they gave him the opportunity to have a family. Yeah. See, I'm really passionate about this, thinking about it right now. We have never seen Spielberg go dark. I would like to have seen that. We saw him do comedy. We saw 1941, right? Mm -hmm. We've never seen him go dark. And I would like to, I know you're not listening to my little crappy podcast, Who Am I in Kentucky to say one way or the other what you should and shouldn't do to the greatest filmmaker probably living right now or one of, but one movie, brother, before you go. Yeah. Do one mean one. It's not going to tarnish your legacy. Nobody's going to say, oh my God, he did that one mean one where the aliens just beat the shit out of people in a small (laughs) Kentucky town. (laughs) They're not going to do anything
2: to you. Yeah. And at this point, it could be a metaphor for the way government treats small towns.
0: (laughs) See what I did there? Right. Even War of the Worlds. Yeah. He he lightens it up. Yeah, well, he has a brand. And I get that he has a brand, and God knows he has a good billion dollars. I know, I'll get off of it now. I'm sorry, that was mine. I would have liked to have seen him go dark with a nasty, nasty alien movie.
2: This was, uh, okay, so, uh, do you... No. Okay. I, I covered I, enough uh,
1: time with the Confederacy. I, so I want you two to go.
2: I And I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this name correctly. It's a famous French director, artist, etc. Elaine Renat, René. All you do, dude, is end it with... oh, oh.
1: oh.
2: He made a couple sci-fi, uh, films, and I'm I. I'm going to shove this croissant down your throat. Nothing uh, different with that that I thought he was doing. <laughs> his, his 1968 film, Jatome, Me, um Anyway, he's, he's oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, he's he's well known as being very artistic, very cerebral. Uh huh. Cut to 19. That means brain movies. Cut to 1971. Turns out he's a huge nerd who loves comic books, and somebody says, "Oh." you're in New York for a film, if you want to meet this guy I know that works in comic books, it was Stan Lee. <laughs> Stan Lee and Renee, Rena R-E-S-N-A-S, I don't have a French accent, I can't fake it. Yeah. But anyway, they hit it off, and they say, okay, and, and Renee said, oh, we, we films. We must do films together. And Stan Lee goes, sure, you write one, I write one, we'll work on each other's. Two films are supposed to come out of this collaboration. One was called The Inmates. And that was the one Renee started on and Lee finished. It was a Bronx set story that had to do with the fact that the entire human planet, the entire Earth as we know
0: it... The human planet.
2: (laughs) Well, that's actually... (laughs) Human planet. It was originally going to be called the human planet. uh, And our relationship with the rest of the cosmos. And how, in some ways, we're jailed on Earth and very cerebral science fiction based. And Lee came in and finished it up. And... um, it was going to be a very philosophical story, but that got into what does it actually mean to be human. The one Lee started and Renee finished was called The Monster Maker, and it was going to be about a B-movie, Roger Corman-type director, and it was going to, Lee wrote it to be largely autobiographical, who makes these terrible B-movies that the population, the people love, everybody loves these crap movies, and he dreams of doing something more. But every time he tries to go above the art that he's known for, People go no, no, stick to you, stick to what you're good at. And both of these scripts were written. Both of them were bounced around as recently as 1998. Stan Lee said he, um, Renee died, and said, "What what's going to come of these?" And he did an interview, and he goes, "They're, they're done. They're dead." Uh, and he said, "You know, somebody could pick him up the scripts and make them, but they're not going to be as artistic as he would have made them. He was a brilliant mind who elevated anything he worked on, and so they're dead." Um, but, uh, so Monster Maker and, uh, The Bronx, um, I'm sorry, uh, The Inmates, um, were two projects that had one of the leading French science fiction filmmakers and one of the most pop culture influences of the 20th century hmm. working together, um, literally across oceans. And both scripts were finished. Both scripts. He's going to say "Oceans of Time." Uh, and
0: um, <laughs> I don't know why. I
2: don't know nothing, nothing will ever come of him. Poetic. So there you go. I, I just, I thought that was fascinating that you had a French filmmaker known for being so artistic and so high thought who loved
0: American comic books. But you know, well, that's how I force. Your turn? No, cool. you're good. Oh, well, okay. That reminds mine aren't even on the list, but that reminds me of two movies I would have loved to have seen. See, uh, John Landis for you all out there, Animal House. American Werewolf in London was going to make a William Gaines biopic. Oh, really? I a few years ago. Oh, wouldn't you have loved to see that? I would seen have that? loved to see that. Yeah. What, and John Landis is the man who should have made that.
1: Yeah.
0: I would love to talk to him about it someday, John Landis. If you're out there listening, please come on and talk to us about it. I'd well, be great. Tell them,
1: Tell the audience if they don't who William Gaines is.
0: William Gaines, I'm sorry, you're absolutely right. Was later being known for the publisher of Mad Magazine. But that's not how he got his start. He right. published Tales from the Crypt, Tales of. The, he was, he was the editor of those magazines. Of right, yeah, tales oh, from the Crypt. yeah he got pulled before Congress and everybody
2: yeah. else for, for basically for the comic code. charges. For the
0: yeah, for Led the comic the
2: code. code yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: and he was a central figure in the whole court case, and then later on would have a whole other career as in Mad Magazine. Yeah. And he's a fascinating man. The other one is Joe Dante's film. Is it The Man with Kaleidoscope Eyes? I can't remember the title, but it's about Roger Corman. He got so close that he actually did a ri- ri- live reading of the script with... Uh, and now, now Joe, saying,
1: da- Joe Dante actually started under Roger Corman, Roger correct?
0: Corman, working for Roger Corman. And I may have the title screwed up if I am. I'm so sorry, Joe Dante, once again. Come on, Bonehead, and yes, talk to please, us. Yes, That Joe would Dante. be great. To, that'd be great. Joe Dante directed The Howling Gremlins and um made uh, rock, worked on rock and roll rock and roll high school for <clears throat> for corman started out editing uh, the commercials
1: yeah
0: for the trailers for yeah. the movies that's yeah. how he started out that's what he did so anyway great interviews and that, it though. was uh the guy from saturday night live he plays stefan what's his name Bill Hader? Bill Hader was going to play Roger Corman, which I think is probably one of the best casting yeah, choices. Yeah, you, you couldn't
1: go wrong with that. That's Am cool. I right? That's if I say
0: that pitch. if I say that out loud, you go, oh, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Right? That's good. Yeah. That's good. Wouldn't you love to see that I movie? I would love to see that movie. Directed by Joe Dante. Yeah. Oh, sorry. That's okay. Um, All right. I've got more. Keep going. We'll go back and forth. David Cronenberg's Frankenstein. <laughs> You all ever heard the story about that? I don't know the whole story. I not know. I, I never really, come up to. I started researching it. I really. love the story of David Cronenberg's Frankenstein. By the way, everybody's wanted to make Frankenstein yeah. from Del David Toro. David Cronenberg
1: want to make Frankenstein. That's the best part of this story. I was gonna say before you get onto that, we could do a whole episode on Del Toro movies that we're dying to see. Oh yeah, that'll yeah. never get made. That'll never yeah. get made. I mean, I was I thought about bringing them up for this I'm, episode. I thought about Haunted Mansion. Frankenstein, Justice League do, you, Dark, Justice League Dark, Justice League Dark. Oh my God! the the, the movies. Del Toro has said he was going to do Wind in the Willows. He worked on the Wind in the Willows. I was gonna say, Well, De, and Del Toro, I love to one of my favorite Wind quotes about
2: Del Toro. And was Del Toro come on the show? We would love to talk oh, to you. God, yeah. But Del Toro, one of my favorite quotes about him is he is now more famous for for movie aficionados for the projects he didn't do than the ones he has. And, and he yeah. has done
1: some great films. Um, because you keep hearing movies that he's going to make, and you're like, oh, oh, oh! And then you hear like *Crimson Peak*. What the hell is *Crimson Peak*? Quick, quick
0: story, quick story, quick story. Uh, of the Willows*. Really quick. He was meeting with the uh, with the executive, and the executive came in and says, "Well, can't we get um, a Mr. Toad? Can't Mr. Toad ride a skateboard? Skateboards are really popular right now." He quit and walked out. Oh my keep god. Keep going.
2: Go ahead. So, so David the, the story of David Cronenberg's *Frankenstein*. This is a true story from David Cronenberg himself. I'm gonna read quotes. <laughs> Uh, he was at an event for something they worked on. It was in the '80s, after he had done these huge films, flying all that stuff. And Pierre David, who was a Canadian film producer, walked up to him and he goes, "Hey, hey, listen, uh, tell me what you think." David Cronenberg's Frankenstein. Cronenberg literally just said back to him, "That sounds good to me. What about poor Mary Shelley?" <laughs> it was a couple days later. A couple days he later...
0: smug the way he would
2: say yeah. it. Cronenberg was looking through Variety. And you can look this image up. If, I, if I, we can get it somehow put on this thing, we'll do it, I guess. Um, he was looking through Variety. And there was a two-page ad in Variety that said, Pierre David, Victor Solnecki, Claude Haru, a major cinematic uh, event, David Cronenberg, Frankenstein, a contemporary vision of Timeless uh, Chilling Tale. Two-full-page ad in Variety. So everybody saw it. Kronenberg actually
1: starts to think about it and he which he, is which is why sometimes producers put out two page two, and, 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 like I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go to Variety and see how much it would cost to put a two page ad out saying Del Toro's The Parent Trap
0: and honestly <laughs> but and it's I and, 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 for movie, people, I and for people who don't know how hard it is to get if you're a director and you've got a green light You'll normally jump on that quickly, yeah. Yeah. right? If you see oh, a yeah. movie that's going to go, you'll jump on it because it's so hard to get. And if it's successful, it usually means you can get whatever it is you want done next.
2: Yeah. But Cronenberg, after he saw the ad, started saying about it, and he said, well, if I do it, it's going to be more of a rethinking than a remake. He wanted it to be more like the novel, oh, which God. is Del Toro and all these people have said they want to do too. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought you were going to say more sex. But he no, said well, yeah. that it should it's be. Cronenberg in the 80s. He said it should actually, the creature should be the most. Touche. The creature should actually be the most intelligent and sensitive being in the movie. Um, And he's not just a beast. Um, But that's as far as he went. He never actually developed any further. He said, well, if I'm going to do it, this is what it's going to be. And then he let it die. Um, And then he almost did American Psycho with Brad Pitt. That was actually going to be a project they did. American
0: Psycho was almost done by several different people.
2: Uh, And then he was going to do Total Recall. And that's another one that. Was, and Total Recall, the reason that he actually got dropped from it, he didn't back away from it. They said his version was too close to Philip K. Dick's, and the movie was. Uh, they actually looked at him and said, "No, no, we want Raiders of the Lost Ark goes to Mars." Yeah. And he walked away.
0: Yeah.
2: Hmm. Um. So that David Cronenberg's Frankenstein is an example of a movie that got announced, and the guy that's name was linked to it went, "Man, okay, we'll see what." And he just. He thought about it, and nothing else materialized.
0: You want to, you want to do David Lynch next for our, our David Lynch fans Oh, uh, right yeah, the Red. yeah. You, you David Lynch's the... Ronnie Rocket. Ronnie Rocket was going to be his follow-up to almost... Every time you say it, I go, Red Rocket, Red Rocket. Red, Red Rocket. <laughs> Rocket. Ronnie Rocket was going to be his follow-up to a dozen movies. In fact, as of recently, as of in the last couple of years, he said, well, maybe I could eventually make it. But July the, 2013, he mentioned but the, it. But the, the, the landscape of America looks different now. Do you have the story pulled up? Here
2: is, I can give you the story that he announced. Um, and I'm going to read this directly because I don't want to
0: get this wrong. No, that's the reason. I, and, and then when we read it to you, we're done. We're moving on to the next movie. Yeah. Just
2: hear this. Conceived in the aftermath of a the story follows a detective seeking a mysterious second dimension aided by his ability to stand on one leg. He is being stalked by the donut man who wield electricity as a weapon. Simultaneously, the tale of Ronnie... Not donuts. Yeah. Sorry. Simultaneously, the tale of Ronnie Rocket unfolds, a teenage dwarf rock star who needs to be plugged into an electrical supply, which gives him power over
0: power. If Buckaroo Banzai can get a green light, why couldn't this? Keep uh, going. Which he can use to produce music or simply cause destruction. Wouldn't you have loved to seen that for you Lynch fans out there? Wouldn't you have loved to see seen it? It'd
2: be an experience. It'd be an experience, uh, You might not like it, but you'd be like, well, I saw Ronnie Rocket.
0: I've, you know, and because it's, it, honestly, at the end of the day, it's no more weird than the last season, uh, his final season, or what would probably be the final season of Twin Peaks. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's the one I wanted to get out. What's your next one, James?
2: I got two more I really want to do, and I know we're going to run short on time. That's okay. We are doing yeah. all right, Haley.
0: Gladiator 2. Uh-huh. Electric Boogaloo no. in 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 No. Yes, oh, on. no, no. Is this on. Is, is
1: this the Russell Crowe you know what the original
2: title was? Nick Cave. What his original title Nick was? Nick Cage what? Nick, uh, Nick Cave I know the plot. of Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. It was his title he wrote the script Gladiator 2 Christ Killer. The the basic plot to the script was Crow's character who I know some of you are sitting there wait wait Spoiler: Character Maximus dies. Maximus dies at the end. He oh does God, what Maximus he's supposed out. to do. It took me a second. Yeah. He he gets vengeance, so to speak, real but life he does die. and dies. It was going to end, or that it was going to begin right after the end of the movie, and he descends into Hades, where the Greek gods send him because they're starting to lose their power. They're they're fading mm-hmm. from memory, and they use some of their remaining power to bring Maximus back and send him on a quest to kill anything that takes away their power. And at one point in the movie, yes, he does. He's actually the person that finally kills Christ. And Nick Cave even said about writing the script, he goes, "That ah, it wasn't going to happen. He said literally what happened was... Uh, a matter of fact, he has this great quote where he talks about Russell Crowe wanted to do another one. He liked playing Maximus. Mm-hmm. So he went back to Ridley Scott and said, Hey, can we do another one? And he said, well, Ridley Scott's response. Well, it kind of closed. Yeah. Um, and he said, well, if we can come up with a way. And some, I don't know how Nick Cave, who is a musician and a writer, but most people know him as a musician, how he got tied to it. But he said his story of it, Russell Crowe has changed the story a couple times. I told the story differently. I shouldn't say changed the story. But Nick Cave's exact words on it was that he got a call from Russell Crowe said, man, read the script. Not going to happen, mate. Not going to happen. They retooled the script several times. Mm-hmm. But the original version of it was he was going to be, and he was going to be immortal, and it was actually going to end with him
0: fighting in the Vietnam War.
1: What the hell? He,
0: he was going to be immortal. You know, I kind of like the immortal Blade Runner thing. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's stupid. It doesn't even...
1: It's but, not even Gladiator, not but, even that's gladiator
0: what, but, but it was all going to be tied back. He had to keep uh, the so mythology basically making him the Wolverine. It,
2: it yeah. had to keep the mythology alive, and that's my only question. Was I almost want, actually I don't almost I want to read the script to see how him being involved in Vietnam War
0: somehow kept the Greek that's like that's alive. like
1: Force Gum Two, where he becomes a cyborg and fights giant mutant mantises in the future. But
0: Force Gum Two is another one of those famous movies that almost happened to didn't. And then, yeah,
1: no. Because he was going to go, going to become a hippie and go on the road with his there's, son, There were right? several different... Yes, yes, yes,
2: the yes. The Gump and Company, the book. You couldn't pick up the book. The book, because... Gump and Company is the sequel to Forrest Gump, written by the same guy. He did write it, let's be blunt, as a cash-in, because the movie was such a big yeah, success. Yeah, yeah. And then he went... So people begged him for more Gump stories. I've never read the Gump.
0: book, but I am assured that Forrest Gump, the book, is a lot different than Forrest Gump, the movie. Yes. The character itself is completely different. Yeah. So yeah, no Gladiator Two
2: was originally Gladiator Two Cross Killer. It got bounced around for years. I mean, they kept going back to it. I don't know if Ridley Scott was, but yeah. definitely it, it was shared around.
0: Oof. I got one more. I want to half share after this, but if you got another one, hold on, hold get. on. How about, what time are we going at? You going. You're okay. Okay. Well, I just really there's a bunch, man. I, I mean. Honestly, go out if and watch the documentary. I'm surprised you're
1: not bringing up Del Toro's at the mouth of madness.
0: I that there is a bunch or the mountains Chad. of madness at I'm the mountain of the madness is a movie I would love to have seen that almost happened, starring Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, who can get? I mean, with Tom Cruise was going most. to star in Del Toro's at the mountain at the mountains of madness, which is based on a book written by a guy named H.P. Lovecraft. And as much as I love Stuart Gordon, we have never had a big budget Lovecraft film that we have so deserved for a hundred years. I was going to say, and I'd be fine if Stuart Gordon directed a big budget. I'm sure Stuart Gordon would have loved to have a big big budget. budget. I would love to have seen it. And it was going to happen. The only problem that stopped it from happening was that they wanted PG-13. And Del Toro said, I might be able to, but I can't make that promise. That's it. That's the reason. That's all. FYI, look it up. And Tom Cruise says he'd still do it right now. And they would not green light a hundred million dollars. Del Toro dollar said now you can't R rated horror film, even though it came out this year and made a half a billion dollars didn't, worldwide. Didn't worldwide.
1: Del Toro say though, now you can't make it because of Prometheus? Yeah,
0: he said Prometheus took a little bit of the wind out of the sale. Yeah. So That's not the one I was going to talk about. I was going to tell everybody to go out and check out the Superman Lives documentary about Tim Burton. I so cool. I'm not going to talk about it because there's a good documentary that already exists about it. So go out and check it out. Tim Burton was this close to making a Nicolas Cage movie of Superman Lives this close. And one of the things that sunk it was some
2: footage leaked. And they, oh, he's messed with the costume, and it was only going to be like it was going to be his regeneration costume. It going to
0: be directed by uh, going to be directed by Tim Burton, as is, is, is produced by Peter Gooper. Who look it up? Who's uh, not Peter Gooper? Uh, the other one, John Peters. John Peters. John Peters, uh, who is <laughs> notoriously is, I've heard read several times. This is true. Who won't read a screenplay? You have to read the screenplay to him so he can envision it. Uh, there's a director or two that have went on who've who've said that he's illiterate and that's the reason why he does it it's not the other reason well he was
1: also Barbara Streisand's former hairdresser a hairdresser
0: right an yeah. eventual boyfriend and there's a there's a long story there's a whole bonehead cat two episode we could do about John Peters, Peters and yeah. his life anyway
1: and a I, lot of the,
0: lot the of movie that, that got made was the Wild Wild West FYI yes I was going that's what I was going to say yeah I was going to say but the thing
2: about Superman Lives if you're a fan of Tim Burton uh, or any of his artwork yeah. or anything else you need to see the documentary about how it got made because it, the way he envisioned Brainiac, Brainiac the way he envisioned
0: everything it, i don't know way? that it's superman though is it no but the draw i don't care i don't care i i would have paid at the superman. end of the day it's not superman but no it's his batman
2: batman i mean at, at, elements it, elements it, it is now but if you're reading batman at the time not so no. much no not so much no his movie influenced the comics
1: yeah yeah
2: because it was a hit um yeah no the docu- what is the documentary called on the uh, movie? Superman, superman lives, lives. okay it's, it is it's it's a fascinating I just wanted people to go out and watch
0: it so it's, go it's ahead good. with your last one alright
2: I gotta talk about this one because this is one I'd love to see and and never will obviously um, this movie actually got filmed there is some rough cuts of it but it's not completed uh, Richard Pryor is going to be his first film it was called Uncle Tom's Fairy Tales <sighs>
1: Just the name goes over. Oh, I know.
2: Well, here's the backstory on what happened They've to got it. top men working on it. Top men. <laughs> top men. The backstory on it, there's some people that argue that none of us really know what it's about. One version of what it's about, the only one I could actually find that may be true, is that it was going to be a series of stories told not unlike the story of Mankind where people are on trial. But a, a group of Black Panthers were going to kidnap a random white guy and put him on trial for everything that white people had done wrong. Oh my God, I gotta
0: see this movie.
2: Uh, and the best part was, it was... I hate crackers. The reason it was called Uncle Tom's Fairy Tales was it was going to reenact all the things when he tried to come up with what yeah. white people did right. There was going to be historical flashbacks to, oh, this is what happened, and see, white people aren't all bad. And of course, it was all going to be horribly inaccurate, historical, and all that stuff. 50 minutes, uh, and Penelope Spheris, Ferris?
0: Ferris. She went on to direct Wayne's World. And did two, uh,
2: three documentaries. Three
0: documentaries called The Decline of Western Civilization about rock and roll. She check was, them out, by the way. If I'm serious. Check them out. They're, they're fantastic. She
2: was the film editor. Richard Pryor actually was going to star and direct. It was filmed. 50 minutes were complete. There's two stories about why we'll never see it. Uh, and they compete. Nobody is actually sure. Penelope Spheris is probably the only one that knows which is more accurate. We should uh, reach out one them. is true. One is true, we know for sure. Um, but it doesn't explain why we can't see it now. Uh, they were doing a screening of it, Penelope Spheres and him, uh-huh. and they were screening it so they could get ready to get take it, the 50 minutes they had done to producers. Um, Richard Pryor's second wife stormed into the room, said, "You, You don't care about me. Uh, there may have been drugs involved. Um, and you don't care about me, you care Not about little you. Richard. <laughs> you care more about your little <laughs> movies more than you do me. And Richard Pryor, in a fit of anger, and evidently the fight went on, and, and Penelope Spheris literally was sitting there the entire time, slowly leaning yeah. back in her chair. Um, and finally, Richard Pryor snapped and said, oh, I care more about my movie than you. Oh, look, you're talking, I'm trying to screen my movie. I'll show you, and grabbed the film and started just shredding it.
0: Holy um yeah Yeah, but it's a believable story penelope spheris
2: was able to preserve the film and splice what she could back together now this is where the story and some people go well that was really the end of it there's another story that goes that wasn't the end of it she took what she spliced back together and richard Pryor knew they had to have as he said a big black name Mm -hmm. to back it so who did they go to who was socially acceptable in the 1970s, to white American culture, Bill Cosby. Shaft. They went to Bill Cosby. Oh, Bill Shaft. He's, he's a black private dick who's a sex machine with all the chicks. Shut your mouth! I'm talking about the rich ass Um Bill. So they took it to Bill we'll look Cosby. Look it up, by the way. I didn't miss a word. I Keep know, going. Yeah, there's, <laughs> two, there's two stories. and this is what I was waiting on you to say. Bad mother. So shut your mouth so there's two <laughs> so this then breaks into two stories and there's it, it's whichever one you want to believe I guess you going Co- all Rashomon on us go Bill over. Cosby uh, saw it Bill Cosby mm-hmm. saw it and and there's the two sides to it is that he agreed to produce it and then actually said he'd produce all of it and then just because he saw Richard Pryor as his main competition mm. and then so he has it and it's done and it's not going to work The other side to it is that Richard Pryor had some respect for Bill Cosby. He did. He watched it. They all did. And Bill Cosby went, this is a bit much. It ain't going to fly. And Richard Pryor then went, okay, we're done, and walked away from it. Oddly enough. And so that is a true story of Uncle Tom's fairy tale, which would have been Richard Pryor putting white people on trial. And if if somebody has a pirate copy, I don't know, an old film-to-film of that, and you can put on a screening somewhere... I would love to see that because Richard Pryor, to me, a, if he wrote it, um, if you're a fan of Blazing
0: Saddles, you gotta yeah, give him Yeah, he was a, he was supposed to play the sheriff from Blazing and Saddles, and he wrote it. I mean, he he's wrote wrote one of the writers. About. Oh, what in the hell are you doing? We're doing a damn We're doing a show. show. Uh, what are you doing here? We're you trying your phone for you anyway? <laughs> I was looking something up. I'm gonna. <laughs> You can't wait till after the
2: show. I was looking at something from Uncle Tom's Fairy Tales, though. So that was one of the movies. So half
0: of it got made. Really quick. And somewhere. Bill Cosby, by the way, as a supporter of independent African-American cinema, if you guys know Mario Van Peebles, his father, Melvin Van Peebles, was a black filmmaker, and he did a movie that made a lot of money called Sweet 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 Sweetback's Badass Song, and Bill Cosby wrote him a check for him to be able to finish that movie. FYI, so First, that's, we remember Bill Cosby in a different way now. But well, however, uh, you know, we, I was having a conversation with
2: some people about this. You do get to the point where you separate the art from the artist. Yeah. Not, you uh, hopefully, to. we
0: can. So that's been our. We could go on. I have another half. Oh page. yeah, yeah. We may more. do this again in a six months to a year yeah. if Chad can get off his phone. I was
1: looking up. I
0: think it's on YouTube. So he could listen. Oh, is it? I think that's what I was looking up. So then, anyway, uh,
1: in the jungle. I, thank I you the wrong all thing. so
0: much. This is leading up to our next episode with um, Ollie, Ollie and Cecil. Mick. And yeah, yeah. And, our and, we, and we will be talking about The
2: Fantastic, Fantastic Four, War which Fans. was a movie that not only was made, was advertised, yes. posters were made, everything was done, and then the studio, well, you'll hear the
0: story. We'll hear the story later on. Thank you so much. This is Bonehead, and we are out. Have a
1: or <laughs> John Gooden. Gooden. Gooden.
2: Is this made off of the Clone Wars yoga Yeah, yeah
0: that's a Clone Wars Yoda. He was holding bourbon on top of the Christmas tree on Christmas. Nobody commented. Yeah. I see it.
2: All right, are we ready?
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, i got to turn this game off of you any second. <laughs> oh, my God, we're going to lose valuable footage. <clears throat> Have you started recording? Yeah, but I can stop him. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> where are we at, a minute 50? All right. We can wait a minute. No, I hope Craig Dennis's tears taste delicious. Son of a bitch. Rapist burger. I mean we we it, Joe, if you wanna watch, it's it's a minute hey, 50. Are you, are you recording? You may want to pause it just for one second. Mm